This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. everybody we are back another episode of the transcend human podcast great to have you with us it is march 21st another sunny monday morning here in southern california all right let's get a couple things taken care of right off the top these will be housekeeping items as they have nothing to do with the podcast today so first things first um wanted to let you know that patreon has been kicked to the curb so I wanted to touch um, on that a little bit here because Patreon was something that I introduced back during the Conscience Driven Therapy series. Uh, I started doing some therapy tools and some some inventories and some things like that. And I was like, well, this is, I guess, the best time to start a Patreon page where you upload all of that stuff and you have a little monthly membership and then people can download the, the documents, stuff like that. Uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do. It was the kind of the next logical step in building uh, Transcend Human into an organization with both free and paid content. But unfortunately, Patreon is not going to work for me. And I just, I didn't want to push it on you, the the listener, the way that it's currently designed. So when I got everything up and running, I was just shocked at how primitive it was. And as a customer, I wouldn't want you to sign up um, and navigate content the way that they present it. So right then and there, I decided it's not worth it. So I took all of the therapy tools and I made them available on the website. So if you're interested in any of those, um, head on over to the website under the resources menu link, um, and you'll find a landing page for conscience-driven therapy. Then on that landing page, you'll find links to download each of the uh, therapy tools that we talked about during the series. So that's number one. Number two, speaking of conscience-driven therapy, uh, we made it through 10 weeks, 10 chapters. Um, so that was fun. Uh, elephant in the room, however, uh, it wasn't the easiest chunk of content to get through. Uh, it was difficult at times, probably not the most interesting content. But thank you for indulging me, letting me get it out there. I'm so glad that I did. Uh, I was talking to Tammy at one point, and she literally said that she stopped listening to the episodes because it was just getting too hard to follow along uh, and pay attention, especially while you're out driving and doing, you know, doing your life, and yet trying to focus on this content, which is a little bit more difficult to digest. So it's hard when your own wife says, I'm not listening to your podcast, but I get it. You know, it wasn't 10 weeks of fun stories, pithy content and interesting life observations. It was me fully fleshing out a self-help concept, a form of therapy, um, you know, and content like that's really heavy. So uh, Tammy and I had the conversation about the podcast versus book format and how it probably would have been a lot easier to write this as a book and try to, to publish it that way. Um, that way, you know, when you're reading a book, you can follow along, you can keep things straight in your head. When you're reading it, you can highlight things. Of course, I would love for it to happen that way, right? I'm just going to need some time to pull that together into that format. 
But again, thank you so much for indulging me on that. At least it's out there in the world. A great introduction to something that may become really big in the future. So thanks again for that. But today we are back. So we are back to Transcend Human, the way it originally started. And we're going to have a fun little topic today and talk through the 2022 thing, which we never really got a chance to. So let's start with a minute of transparency. And I'm just going to call this the best year ever. So since we're talking about 2022 in this episode, I thought it'd be fun to throw out a question to all of you and then answer it myself. So the question for today is, looking back on your life, what was the best year ever for you? What year rises to the top? Just take a minute or two um, and come up with that year in your head. Then once you have it, you know, answer a few questions. What year is it? And why did you choose it? Did all good things happen during that year? Did something bad happen that led to something good? Was it because something good happened in the world? Or was it because something good happened in somebody else's life? Well, for me, the year was 1999. Uh, Looking back, it was my favorite year because of all of the big transitions that happened in those 12 months. So in 1999, I graduated um, with my master's degree in social work. I got married, uh, went to Jamaica for my honeymoon. We bought our first house. We bought our first car. And we decided to have our first child. Now, I say decided because I don't think conception actually happened until early 2000. But close enough. So there you go. For me, it was the year to end all years. One of those drop the mic sort of years, right? But looking back at these events this week made me realize something unique about them. None of these things were like big accomplishments or final accomplishments or end points. None of them were like mountaintop experiences that meant I had arrived and could stop doing something. Kind of like winning the lottery and then quitting your job, right? That's kind of a big thing happens, boom, done. For me, instead, each each of the things was a new beginning in my life, right? Things that kicked off a better future. So looking at those things, graduation, sure, it's kind of a celebration of previous coursework, right? But when you really look at it, getting my MSW was simply step one in sending me off in, into my career. Marriage was an event, but it was also step one in a lifetime pursuit of another person, to know and love them well. Buying our first home led to buying a second home. Buying our first car led to buying many more cars. And having one child led to three. So all were kind of things um, that weren't high mountaintop events that just ended. They were all things that started something new in my life, which I found interesting. So should that change my opinion about 1999? Of course not. Maybe for many of us, this is the exciting part of life, getting to start something new. So what was it for you? What, what year did you choose? And were there any beginnings part of that year? If so, what were they? Take some time this week to look back and reminisce on your best year ever, and then the things that you got to start. Okay, today's topic is Transcending 2022. 
So this is not going to be a New Year's resolution episode. I'm simply going to throw some things out there, things that we can incorporate into our lives this year. Number one, ask better questions. Number two, find your vibe. And number three, stretch yourself. Number one, ask better questions. So before I dive into this fully, I just wanted to to kind of explain why I'm doing this. So obviously 2022 has been around for now, what, three months. So on the one hand, this kind of looks like a New Year's resolution post, right? But yet it's in March, so it's not. But at the same time, it kind of is, right? It's it's one of those episodes I would have done at the beginning of the year, except that we jumped right into conscience-driven therapy and went for 10 straight weeks on conscience-driven therapy. So because I did that, and I'm, I'm glad I did, but because we did that, we didn't have a chance to talk about the new year a whole lot when we started this season. So I'm doing it now. So we can kind of look at conscience-driven therapy as a, a book of chapters. We got through it. We put it back on the shelf. And now let's start fresh in 2022. So number one, ask better questions. So I can't even remember where I heard this. It was probably on a podcast somewhere since I spend a lot of my time listening to them now. Uh, But for some reason, I didn't write down the reference. I just scratched a sticky note that said, ask better questions. And then I had a few rough details on what that meant. So that's what I'm running with in this section. The idea that we ask a lot of questions every single day. And the idea that some of these questions may not be the right questions. And finally, the idea that we may be asking a version of a question, but there could be a better version of the same question. So whatever the case, let's talk about questions, starting with the hypothesis first, this idea that we spend massive amounts of our time asking questions. Or to put it another way, we spend a big chunk of our time looking for answers. So let's illustrate that point. It really starts the minute the alarm goes off in the morning. Do I want to get out of bed? Do I have time for breakfast? When's my first Zoom call? What should I wear based on the things I'm going to do today? What's the weather going to be like today? Does that change what I want to wear? Am I leaving the house or am I working from home all day? Do I have time to fit a shower in there somewhere? Do I have time to exercise? Did my friend ever get back to me about that movie tonight? I wonder if it's a good movie to begin with. Oh, we should probably eat before the movie, right? I wonder where we should eat. I wonder if my friend will be willing to pick the restaurant. Should we see if more people want to go with us? Man, is it cold in this house. Did we turn the heat down last night? I wonder what it's set at. Is that a phone ringing? Oh, no, that's actually my alarm going off again. So the crazy thing about this illustration is that every single question took place between hitting snooze and the alarm going off again the second time. Now, has that ever happened to you? It has to me. Literally, the first thing that happens when I wake up in the morning is I'm flooded with questions, things that I need to get answered. And if this is true, and if that many questions happen in that short of a period of time, count up all of the questions you probably ask throughout a day. Hundreds? thousands, hundreds of thousands? I don't know. Let's just leave it at a lot. So it's obvious from the illustration that we're questioners, right? It's part of our DNA. It's how we interface with the world around us. Questions stem from a lack of knowledge about something. And once we answer the question, 
we're able to proceed with new information. For example, in the illustration above, the person lacked knowledge about a movie. So in order to answer the question, they'll probably Google it, watch a trailer, read some reviews or whatever until they feel more confident. Now, if the friend were to ask about the movie, the person could say, well, it seems like other movies we've seen and liked, and it has a four-star rating, so I think it's worth seeing. Now think of the hundreds of thousands of times each day we go through that process. We have a question, we find the answer, and then we act upon the new information over and over and over again. Every problem we solve during the day is us finding the answer to a question at home, at work, and in the world around us. Here's another illustration. You're in a parking lot when a delivery truck pulls up right behind you in order to make a delivery. So the problem is we can't get out of our parking spot. The question, how am I going to get out of this parking spot? And the answer could be multiple things. We could find the driver and ask him or her to move. We could wait it out. We could call the police. We could back into the truck and create an even bigger problem. How many of these situations do we face each and every day? Okay, now that we have that straight, let's dig a bit deeper and suggest that there are levels to our questions. So let's say that there are good questions, better questions, and the best questions. Notice I started with good. Why did I do that? Because there are no dumb questions, right? Surely you learned that in school as I did. And if there are no dumb questions, then all questions must at least start out as good. At least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. So what's the point, right? I mean, a question is a question. Why are we splitting hairs and putting them into buckets? Well, because we have options. We have freedom of choice. And because we get to determine how we experience the human condition. So this means that there can be different versions of the same question, depending on our worldview, depending on how we want to experience the human condition. Don't believe me? Well, let's walk through a few examples and see if I can't change your mind. Let's start with something simple like, what am I going to do today? Would you believe me that there is a good, better, and best way to ask this question? Let's try it and see. So here's good. What am I going to do today in order to have fun? Better. What am I going to do today in order to fulfill all of my responsibilities? Best. What am I going to do today to make this world a better place? Now, <clears throat> if you're paying attention, you notice two things. First, we added something to the original question. And second, the thing that we added was the motivation behind the question, the purpose or the meaning behind it, the end goal. Now, again, we said that our questions would be different because our worldviews are different. And that's true. If our worldview is survival of the fittest, then our questions will typically focus on what we can get and when we can get the thing. If our worldview is to make the world a better place, then our questions might focus more on what we can do for other people or for the world around us. Okay, example number two. How should I respond to the nasty Instagram comment on my recent post? Again, good, better, best. Good, how can I respond to the nasty Instagram comment so that person understands they were rude and deserves to be called out to the rest of the Instagram community? Better, how can I respond to the nasty Instagram comment 
and try to understand what they said and why they said it. Best, should I respond to the nasty Instagram comment in the first place? And if so, what could I say to show love and diffuse the tension? Okay, final example. My current friend group has been making fun of kids who are different than us. What should I do? Again, good, better, and best. Good. How can I avoid being different so that I can stay friends with the people that are in my group? Better. How can I speak up so my friends know that I'm not really on board with the things that they're saying? Best. Should I even be in this friend group? If I'm not able to encourage better behavior in this group, is this group really right for me? So, based on those examples, it should be pretty obvious what we're talking about, right? This all goes back to the idea behind transcend human. What we're doing is we're, we're trying to figure out what it looks like to rise above the human condition because the human condition is the world around us. And the world around us is okay with asking the good questions, but they aren't really that into the better or best questions because good questions are fine. They're easy. They help you get what you deserve. They protect you. They help you become all you want to be. In fact, asking the better or best question can get you into trouble. You might lose things. You might have to give some things up and other people might get things that were coming your way. Now I know I'm painting a pretty bleak picture, right? Good questions in my scenario appear to be a hundred percent selfish asking what's in it for me. Better questions start to ask what's the right thing to do. And then the best questions are taking the highest road possible, asking what can I do for others or how can I make the world a better place? But don't hear me say that good is bad and we all need to get to the best. That's just not realistic. I would suggest this. If all we ever ask are good questions, what would it look like to start adding some better and best in there from time to time? What if we spread out our questions over the three a bit more evenly? Because at the end of the day, it's good to ask some good questions every now and then. If you're stressed out at work, a good question might be, what can I do just for myself in order to keep my stress from spiraling out of control? That is a very selfish question, right? It's all about me and my well-being. But at the same time, it's very important. God doesn't expect us to be doormats that collect everyone else's dirt. Even the airlines know this, right? They tell you to put on your oxygen mask before trying to help another person. Why? Because if you aren't healthy, you're not going to be very helpful to other people around you. And I don't believe that we're supposed to walk through life choosing the right thing for others every minute of our lives. I believe God wants us to enjoy the world that he created. And this means lots of things, right? It means doing things that are fun, going to movies, listening to great music, taking vacations, exploring nature, hanging out with family and friends. All good things. Things that stem from good questions like, how can I enjoy my world today? So don't stop doing that. But we can all stand to add in a few better and best questions to our lives, right? To rise above the human condition, to ask more controversy-aware questions, to ask more questions that put other people first, to ask more questions that help make the world a better place. Number two, find your vibe. So if you're like me, and I'm not really suggesting that you need to be, but if you're like me, I'm guessing that you had your vibe going pretty strong in 2019. 
I had a pretty good idea where I came from. I had a pretty good idea who I was and what my day-to-day looked like. And I had a rough idea where I wanted to go in the future. That was my vibe, right? Then COVID happened. And the global pandemic threw a wrench into all of that. So for two years, the pandemic made us question everything. And if you're like me, the vibe was the first thing to go. The calm, the structure, the consistency, the things that we could count on, all of that went out the window. And we all just sat in shock and awe at the very fabric of society crumbling in front of us. And when you're not sure what life is going to be like from day to day, it's very hard to develop your vibe or to keep it going. Now, at times, I hesitate to even talk about COVID, right? Because right now, with everything going on in Ukraine, COVID is really not that big of a deal. I mean, yes, it impacts our life, but nothing compared to what the people of Ukraine are going through, living in a country that's being invaded by another country. I mean, that's instability on a whole different level. So at this point, we really need to view both. It's both and, right? We went through COVID for two straight years, and then now there's instability in the world with Russia invading Ukraine on a whole different level. And when you combine all of those things together, it just means that there's a lot going on, right? It's a very difficult time to be living in the world. Now, My recommendation for this section was to find your vibe in 2022. So given all of the craziness and all of the instability that we we just talked about in the world around us, how can we find a vibe that works for us this year and helps stabilize us? Now, I'm going to recommend two directions when it comes to our new vibe. The first is to do more, and the second is to do less. And you'll need to pick the one that works best for you, given your situation. So let's start with do more. If you're the type who has been floating along doing very little for the past few years, this might be you. If you feel like you have no direction, if you don't feel like you're contributing anything to the world, it might be time to do more. This might be your 2022 vibe. Find a new career, start a new job, add a side hustle. Start putting yourself out there again and create work for yourself. Sometimes having things to do and being part of a team can be very stabilizing. Now let's move to do less. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you've been running at a high, high level for the past two years. Maybe COVID didn't really impact you or your job at all. Or maybe it actually ramped up your responsibilities. If this is the case, you might need to look into doing less. Work in times of silence, times of solitude into your life. Create protected time each day to unwind. Maybe take days off here and there for self-care, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's a spa day. Maybe um, it's sitting around on a couch reading a good book. Uh, For others, it might mean going on a hike or going camping, spending time in nature. If this is your 2022 vibe, start the process today. Now, before we leave this section, I want to throw out one more for good measure. I don't see anything wrong with doing both. So do more, do less, or do both. Maybe for you, it isn't picking one or the other. Maybe it can be both and. Maybe you're in a position to take on some new responsibilities and at the same time be more intentional with your time. Start a new job, but also focus on self-care. Nothing says this can't be your vibe in 2022. 
After all, it's all about balance, right? Too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Too much of a bad thing can be a really bad thing. So whatever the case this year, whatever bucket you find yourself in, take your next right step in that direction. Number three, stretch yourself. So this is going to overlap a little bit with what we just talked about, because in the process of doing less, doing more, or doing both, you might have to stretch yourself. So finding your 2022 vibe may not be as easy as discovering a new artist on Apple Music or a new show on Netflix. It might take some effort on your part to make it happen. But when we talk about stretching yourself, uh, I want to focus less on the idea of working more or working less. And I want to talk about our personalities or our interests or our untapped talents, our hobbies, passions, pursuits, things like that. What is something that you know that you can do, but you're just not doing it? Can you write books? Can you write poetry? Can you sing, dance, act? Do you know how to build things? Are you good with a camera? Do you have a good radio voice, unlike me, uh, and think you could do voiceovers? Uh, Do you have a big idea inside of you screaming to get out? For me, this was Controversy Theory, Conscience Driven Therapy, The Trilogy, Transcend Human. I mean, these were all big idea things that I just had to get out of me. Uh, Do you have a talent that you could give back to the community? Maybe coaching a little league team, teaching a free class at your local civic center or YMCA, uh, volunteering at a local nonprofit or at your church. I'm just spitballing here, right? These are just ideas I'm pulling out of the air, the first things that come to my mind. So obviously this is not an all-inclusive list. There are thousands of things that we could add to this list, and your thing would be in it if you could just explain it to me so that I could get it added, right? The point is this. There are things in life that we can do to add richness and flavor to the life that we're living. Some of these things might be obvious to us. For example, if I grew up writing, it's not a stretch for me to actually try writing bigger things in the future. If I grew up playing soccer and played soccer all the way through college, it's not a stretch for me to think that I could coach the next generation of soccer players. Now, I say it's not a stretch because you instinctively understand you have the ability, but the stretch comes in actually doing it, right? Moving from inactivity to activity. Now, on the other side of the fence, there are things that are going to stretch you 100%, things that you have no idea how to do or you had no interest in, things that come out of the blue and become a piece of your life. For example, somebody who never painted a day in their life just decides, you know what, I'm going to take an art class, and they fall in love with painting, and then they start painting every weekend from that point on. Or a person with very little photography experience buys a DSLR camera, watches hundreds of online tutorials, and then starts shooting weddings for the fun of it. These are 100% stretch opportunities. Because it's something completely new and it requires the time and the energy to learn it and then to do it. So what does this look like in real life? Well, let's finish up with a couple stories. So the first story is about Rob Bell. Now, I'm going to summarize his story, but if you want the entire story in his own words, you can head over to the Robcast. Uh, It was his recent episode called With Almond Milk. And so I put the link in the show notes if you want to head over and listen to him tell his own story. But, you know, the Robcast is one of those podcasts that I've listened to on a regular basis. And this episode was just released at the perfect time because it helps to explain what I mean when I talk about stretching ourselves. 
So long story short, uh, Rob tells his coffee story. So he starts by revealing the fact that he's never drank coffee a day in his life. In fact, I don't think he ever even tried it one time. Now, Rob is 51 years old. Fun fact, three months older than me. So at age 51, my question is this. If you made it this far in your life not drinking coffee, why would you start now? Uh, What would make drinking coffee even seem like a next step in your life? But anyway, back to his story. So he explains that he isn't even sure why he didn't try coffee in his life. Maybe he had smelled it before and just assumed it wouldn't taste good. Or at some point, maybe he learned about the effects of caffeine and just didn't want it to become something that he would eventually need. But whatever the case, one morning this year, this recently, he woke up and decided, I'm going to go get coffee this morning for the first time. He then tells a short story about purchasing a book from a, a author friend of his on Yemen and the coffee bean trade. So he admits that there may have been some subconscious thing going on there. But, but anyway, he drives to the coffee shop, fumbles through his order with the barista, and eventually lands on his first drink a latte with almond milk. He then goes on to explain his first sip of coffee and the eye-opening experience that he had and, you know, something that so many other people take for granted, but this amazing experience that he had for the first time at, at 51 years old. So that's fun, right? Great example of the way you can stretch yourself, doing something new, experiencing something different out of the blue. The last story is more personal because it's a story about me and my family, and I'm just going to call it the Jeep story. So all my life, I've had a love-hate relationship with Jeeps. On the one hand, I love the concept, right? Small, agile, capable 4x4s that are versatile in terms of the top coming off and the doors coming off, roll bars in case you, well, roll over, I guess. But on the other hand, Jeep was bought out by Fiat Chrysler now called Stellantis, makers of vehicles like Dodge, Chrysler, Fiat, Ram trucks, all brands that I grew up viewing as less than well-made. So a good vehicle was built by Chevrolet, then came Ford's, and then at the very bottom was any Chrysler product. So with this viewpoint, with this worldview, my mind was preemptively made up about Jeeps, right? If it's a Chrysler product, I would never own one. Fast forward to 2020, my wife has always had a thing for convertibles, right? She would joke about things like, wow, when the kids grow up and move out, I'll finally be able to trade in the minivan for a convertible. I say it was a joke because she would always follow up those statements with things like, no, I'll probably never have one because they're too expensive and they're just not practical. Well, then one day out of the blue, she says, I think we need a Jeep Wrangler. And this was her reasoning. First, It was another vehicle, which we needed at the time because we had another legal driver in the house. Number two, it was able to hold five people along with room in the back for stuff. So it was practical. And number three, it was technically a convertible, right? Which would allow her to check that box off her bucket list. Now, this created a dilemma for me, to be sure. The thought of purchasing a Chrysler product made me cringe. However, I was also pretty picky about foreign cars. I grew up with Hondas, probably had four or five different Hondas growing up, and I told myself I would never drive a Toyota until I did. 
in 2018 or 19, somewhere in there, I purchased a 2014 Toyota Camry SE, and I literally fell in love with it just in time for my oldest daughter to take it away from me when she went to college. So if I broke that rule, maybe I could break this one too. So I relented, and my wife immediately started looking for used Jeep Wranglers. What she quickly realized is that buying one in California was not a great idea. They hold, they hold some kind of cult status here, and the prices are way higher for that reason. So she moved to a nationwide search, and eventually she found one she liked in Holland, Michigan, which is literally 45 minutes away from where my parents live. So they drove up, went on a test drive, and the rest, they say, is history. We signed the paperwork via FedEx back and forth with the, uh, with the dealer while we were on a vacation in Florida. Then my son and I diverted our flights to Michigan to pick up the Jeep and then drive it across the country. Three days later, the Jeep was officially in California and part of our little family. So why am I telling this story? I mean, buying a car is pretty common, right? I imagine some of you are actually trying to decide how much longer you want to listen to this episode. But this is only half the story. This is the setup. This is the historical information upon which to tell the real story. Because this story is really all about Jeep Wrangler culture. Something we knew nothing about until we had it home and started driving it. So what am I talking about? Well, here's just a small taste. First, the Jeep Wave. It's a thing. It really is a thing. If you drive past another Jeep, it's customary to throw the peace sign, letting them know that you see them and that you drive in solidarity with them. At least that's what I think it means. Next is the Jeep aftermarket websites. So Jeep Wranglers are almost like Lego trucks where you can add things, remove things, modify things. And because of this, there are numerous online outlets where they sell all sorts of modifications for your Jeep. Now, I'll be honest, I've done a few and it is addictive, which incorporates another part of the Jeep culture, which is swipe the credit card now and figure out where the money's coming from later. Next is called ducking, ducking a Jeep. Now the concept here is very similar to the Jeep wave, right? You purchase a bunch of small rubber duckies, you personalize them in some way, and then when you're out and about, if you see a Jeep that you like, you leave one of the rubber duckies on the vehicle somewhere. We've been ducked once or twice, but I've yet to purchase ducks of our own. I know, bad Jeep owner. Next, Jeep Jamborees. So these are massive annual events where hundreds of thousands of Jeep owners from around the globe travel to one location to share a shared vacation, if you will, with like-minded people. Now, I've seen pictures of these events where there are literally six-lane highways, completely Jeep Wranglers as far as the eye can see. And I've seen images of campground locations, not unlike Woodstock, where entire valleys are full of Jeeps, tents, and campfires. Now, this is not on my bucket list. I have no desire to do this, but it is definitely a part of the Jeep culture. Finally, Jeep hair don't care. I don't know if this is an actual thing. I've just heard the mantra, and to me it summarizes the mindset you have to have if you're going to own a Jeep Wrangler. Because a Jeep isn't meant to be atmospherically stable. 
By that, I mean a Jeep is not meant to be a Mercedes-Benz where when all of the doors are closed, they're perfectly sealed and you can barely hear the road noise when you drive. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Jeeps are meant to have the windows down, doors off, and even go fully topless as much as possible. And when you're exposed to the environment in this way, you experience everything. The cold, the heat, the humidity, the wind, the dust, the rain, the snow, any other environmental condition going on at the time. So if you're worried that your hair might get messed up a bit or get a bit windblown, then you better take the Mercedes. And that's it. That's the Jeep story. Again, something I never saw coming and something that stretched me and our family in ways that we didn't even understand at the time. It was something new, something that we stretched ourselves in and benefited from. The Jeep played a fun little role in the life of our family while everyone was home during the pandemic. And looking back, I almost kept it from happening. Let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions about 2022. First, what questions am I asking in life? Are they good, better, or the best possible questions? And are these questions helping me rise above the human condition? Number two, have I lost my vibe? If so, what is my next step? Do I need to do more? Do I need to do less? Or could I do a little of both? And then finally, how can I stretch myself this year? Is there something I can start? Is there something I can learn? Should I try coffee for the first time? Should I buy a Jeep Wrangler? All good ideas as we dive headlong into this new year. So thank you so much for joining us this week. It's been fun to be back to our one-off episodes. Um, Fun just hanging out with you and telling stories. Uh, I hope you've had a great Q1 so far. And hopefully you are looking forward to the rest of 22 with positivity. So like I said, love having you on the journey with us. Until next time, everyone, have a great week. And as always, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. If you're interested in the show notes for this episode, head on over to transcendhuman.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the episode you're looking for. On the website, you'll also find blog posts, podcast series, and other helpful resources to help you navigate the Transcend Human ecosystem. You'll also find links to our social media channels, And as always, if you have questions, feel free to contact us at info at transcendhuman.com. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back here on Monday morning.